This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and with video here on YouTube. Okay, folks, we have another episode of Podcasting Awesomeness this week, and I am very, very happy to have on board Steve Hassan. Uh, Steve is the author of a book called Combating Cult Mind Control, among many other books that he has written, but that one was always hold a special place in my heart because that is the first exposure I had to Steve's uh, work. As a, uh, as a cult uh, recovery counselor, therapist, psychologist. He is a person who was involved with the Moonies back in the uh, 1970s. And he, uh, there was an intervention which happened with his family through circumstances which were quite fortuitous. And he managed to get out of that situation with some help and got to get himself trained up as a psychologist and learning all about how this mind control stuff works and how cultic influence works, because there are, as we've talked about at length on my channel here, um, many, many methods to this. And a lot of the stuff that I've talked about has been based on the work that Steve has done. So um, I'm more than happy to have him back on the podcast. We had him on a while ago and I've always had interesting discussions and Steve always has cool stuff to say. So he is now the author of this book, The Cult of Trump. Uh, a leading cult expert explains how the president uses mind control. And I have this book, I have gone through this book, I've read this book. It is fascinating. And there is stuff in here that is far, way more broadly applicable than just to Donald Trump. Uh, this is something I've tried to, you know, iterate myself in getting, uh, in talking about this topic is that, uh, you know, politics is not something that, uh, you know, as cult people want to start getting into because it's so contentious and so divisive. You immediately mention the word politics and some people's head starts exploding and it's, and it's very, very contentious and difficult to talk about, but... We have to talk about it because the, the, the mechanisms and, and methods and, and things that happen in destructive cults also happen in politics. And, and we say, if we're going to ignore that or say that's not true or say that that's something we shouldn't be talking about because it's so divisive and so contentious, we actually lose the opportunity to help and we lose the opportunity to maybe bring some rationality to this topic. So... That all being said, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. And um, I just uh, a, a little correction. I, yes, please. I am not a psychologist in the United States. Uh, you need a PhD to call yourself a psychologist. If you're in Denmark, you can be a psychologist with a master's like I have. I am in a doctoral program, but I uh, just wanted to make sure because there are going to be detractors who are going to nitpick, uh, and I do not want to be guilty of any misrepresentation whatsoever. Um, but I, I really do want to emphasize what you just said, that I really was not rushing to do a book about Donald Trump at all, and I've always tried to steer clear of political things because frankly I have clients and many of them are Republicans and I don't want to alienate anybody. So I hear you. I hear you on that. I've got Republican followers and watchers on my channel and I have alienated tons of them because of my opinions and ideas about Trump. But I've always tried to make it clear that my opinions are my opinions, but the facts about cult mind control are what they are. Right. And so I want to take the moment to frame our discussion, if I may. And you probably remember the yes. continuum, which is in the cult of Trump. It's in combating cult mind control. And, and it's on my freedomofmind.com website. But essentially, the idea is there's a continuum. It's not a binary, but there's a continuum from healthy to unhealthy influence. And the way I think about the word cult includes healthy cults and benign cults and productive cults and destructive cults. So while the title says the cult of Trump and everyone assumes I'm meaning it 
as in the term of a destructive cult, I actually, uh, in my mind, uh, am more nuanced about it. Uh, do I think that Donald Trump is a dangerous person? Yes, I do. Do I think that he is causing grave uh, uh, upset and anxiety and, and dangerousness? I do. We can get into all of that. But um, I essentially had an opportunity through a, um, uh, my, my book agent to, who, who really believed in me taking my 43 years of expertise having exited the Moonies, it's really 45 if you include my time in the Moonies, and applying my, my point of view and my knowledge and experience to the Trump phenomenon. And when I, when I took the project, I, I really did not know uh, what I wound up learning in the research for the book. And so, uh, and, and now that it's out for a few weeks, I can only say, um, it seems to be more and more validated. Everything that I've written about in the book, including the extreme religious uh, uh, groups that are trying to undermine the separation of church and state, Paula White just being you know, asked to join the White House, who was a prosperity minister, who claimed that she you know, uh, converted Trump to Christianity. Um, so in any case, let's let me answer your questions. No, of course. I this is such a big topic, and there's so much to talk about with this. And I have a number of questions for you, and I'm actually curious about this. Um, I, you know, the the standard response, and maybe I just want to kind of get this out of the way from the get go for people who are watching and are very very dubious about this whole thing and think that you're just a Trump basher and I'm a Trump hater and all that. And I, I, you know, I I think at this point I've probably weeded most of those people out of my my viewership at this point, but still it comes up so often. I mean, aren't you really just a liberal snowflake who's just crying over, you know, the, the, the election that got lost, your person didn't win, and that's really what all this Trump bashing is all about? Uh, not at all. Um, I'm not, nor am I brainwashed or in the cult of Soros or a libtard. Um, but I am a human rights guy, uh, and I do believe in social justice, and I do believe in rule of law, and I do believe in the Constitution. Uh, so, um, and I do believe that you need to have freedom of mind to have freedom of religion. And I have a, a, a point in my last chapter where I'm saying if a group is going to ask for benefits as a nonprofit, uh, but they can be shown to systematically defraud people and in recruiting them by not giving them fully informed consent, in my opinion, there should be some type of legal recourse that that organization uh, would lose its tax exemption status. Because as a taxpayer, I don't want to subsidize groups that are harming people or taking away their human rights and the civil liberties. Well said, and I agree completely. And at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. It's not about whether the Republicans are right or the Democrats are right. We're talking about behavior here. Right. And I um, want to be clear yeah. that, you know, just if you're if you're a Republican and you've always voted re Republican and you just couldn't see yourself voting for anything but a Republican, that's not who I'm thinking of as a true blind faith, you know, cult member believer. Uh, I, I'm in my book, I, I have a more nuanced approach to and, and I have a graphic that shows there are different different levels. And well, there are lots of fringe people who are, you know, kind of liking Trump, but not going to die for Trump, not thinking God is using Trump. Um, they might like some of the policies, especially if they're in the fossil fuel. Yes, thank you. Yeah, um, this this is the graphic right here that he's referring to, by the way. No, actually, it's the one out. in chapter seven, I think. Or ah, eight. chapter seven. My bad. That's okay. more, that that's the general um, mm -hmm. uh, graphic of a typical cult. The one that I have is 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 more like a, a a feedback loop from the people influencing Trump to um, uh, the base, etc. Yeah, that one. 
There we go. Okay, folks, just so you get a, a preview there of what he's talking we about. We have the graphics on my website at the moment. My site's been hacked, but it will be up hopefully in the next hour again to have the graphics, especially for people who bought the audiobook that I actually read. It didn't have the graphics in that audio version, so you can get the graphics. Awesome. Yeah, I did the same thing with mine with some appendices and stuff. So, okay, so let's let's go ahead and get into some specifics about this now. And and let's start with this word cult. It's a it's a it's a divisive word. It's a it's a controversial word. When you talk about, you know, you mentioned this fun this... word too because there are cult <laughs> classics and yes. cult films. That's and right. A book called The Cult of Mac. So it's not yes. only used in a pejorative way. Good point. So let's so let's define here. How are we using it with the cult of Trump? What are you talking about? So for me, this fits more in the area of a destructive cult. Why? Because of specific behavioral patterns. And you know me well with my bite model, Chris. Behavior yep. control, information control, thought control, and emotional control, which I have in the book as well, and it's on my website. But I, I really believe that we need honest information that's given to us where we can evaluate and we can uh, and, and discuss, is this factual? Is this propaganda? <laughs> is, is there a basis to this? Or is it is there not? And we and I want to make this strong statement that facts matter and science isn't perfect. They make lots of mistakes, but it's a community effort aimed at not following a doctrine, but following what's true. And so you can have a hypothesis, you do testing. And if you come up with a better hypothesis and the testing shows it's a, it's a better theory, we change it. And so, and there's a real lot of cult propaganda out there that there's no science to the idea of brainwashing and mind control. And that is propaganda because there actually is science to social psychology, to neuroscience. And, and, and it's getting better each year that goes by. There's more and more research. I myself published a peer-reviewed journal article this last March in Elsevier Journal, a very prestigious European journal, including a quantitative scientific study I did with over a thousand people that showed the control mechanisms of behavior, information, thought, and emotional control, in fact, will help us in the quest to come up with a scientific measure of how destructive a group is. It's only the beginning of the research, but it's it's a very important beginning. Absolutely, I support that 100%. We have talked uh, on this channel about numerous disciplines that have contributed to or that we can utilize to understand thought reform, undue influence, coercive persuasion, motivated reasoning, all of these terms that we use to describe right. how people are, you know, controlled, basically. Right. So if I can answer your question, I realized yes. I didn't exactly. <laughs> I, kinda, my wife I wanted to circle back me, to. <laughs> my wife yes. was telling me before, Steve, answer the question first, and then <laughs> all the background. And I'm, I do operate in my head, the general and then the specific. But uh, if you were going to ask me, what's your definition of a destructive cult? I would describe a pyramid-structured organization. Sometimes there's a leader who claims to be all-powerful and all-knowing. Uh, sometimes it's an ideological cult. But the key points is it's authoritarian, and there's deceptive recruitment and control of behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions to make people dependent and obedient. And one of the major mind control techniques in all of the cults I've worked with, and there are many different types, I, I label uh, phobia indoctrination, which is the installation of irrational fears that if you question the leader or question the doctrine or question the policy and want to exit, terrible things are going to happen to you. 
so that if I can be explicit, in the mind of a true believer, you can't imagine leaving and being happy and fulfilled. If you can imagine not believing in Trump and having a happy, healthy life and believing America is strong and the Constitution is great, you're not in the cult of Trump. If you think that there will be catastrophe and civil war and you know uh, economic collapse if you if trump is is taken out of office or isn't reelected then i would urge you to read my book you know from a perspective and and look at the facts i have 472 or 3 references in the back i wanted to document what i was saying and where i got it and uh, um yeah so the, the thing is, is when I was in the Moonies, and Chris, when you were in Scientology, when people said, you're in a cult, you're being brainwashed, I didn't feel like I was brainwashed in the Moonies. I thought I was following God's will for the Messiah who was going to save the planet, Sun Young Moon. And when he was telling me and other members, God wanted Richard Nixon to be president, so we should fast for three days on the Capitol stairs. I believed it 100% and I fasted with just water for three days because God wanted Nixon to be president. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. And, I, and you know, I'll just kind of throw this out there for anybody listening from any end of the political spectrum. If all your eggs are in one basket with one person or one personality, you know, that's not a, that's just not a smart political strategy or view as far as as far as I'm concerned. I mean, a healthy view is not dependent on an individual. It's it's you know, it, it, you you spread it out. You look at, you know, a lot of different factors that go into making our lives better, yeah, so not the, just some the, guy. The, the, the focus for me about ethical influence is in an adult, you should have the locus of control in you right? Exactly. Not an external authority figure or belief system. And I, I listened to this fascinating neuroscientist that I actually spoke with on the phone last week named Moran Cerf. You ever heard of Moran Cerf? I have not. O-R-A-N-C-E-R-F. You will love to have him on your podcast, I assure you. But he did a, a TEDx where basically don't believe what you think is what was his message he said the the brain can be tricked so easily and now in the age of deep fakes and the internet we need to question what we're thinking and if we're certain that what we're thinking is correct we need to surround ourselves with trustworthy friends who have many different opinions and attitudes that we can bounce things off of <laughs> Because we could be hypnotized without being aware of it and have a belief that we never chose consciously. And that's where we are in this age of influence in 2019. Damn straight. It's crazy. Uh, and understanding ourselves has really never been more important than it is now. And I, I could not agree with you more in, on that position. I'm definitely going to reach out to... Uh, Mr. Surf here. Um, I really respect you and your work if I can plug you for a minute because you yeah. really, unlike a lot of people who exit cults like Scientology, you've really done your homework. You really wanted to understand who am I? <laughs> what makes sense to me? You wanted to deconstruct all of the, the, the ideas and principles and everything else. And you're open to other points of view, which is the key to learning and growing is having a healthy curiosity. And so I, I, uh, I really appreciate and respect what, you, what you're doing, Chris. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I swear to God, I did not pay him to say that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, now I have I, I've got so many more questions. Let's oh, uh, yeah. let's let's look at some of these um, specific aspects of thought reform or or the techniques here, because this is really where we want to break this thing down. I want people to see that that we're not going to talk about Trump's policy positions here. 
We're not going to talk about, you know, what his foreign trade ideas or tariffs. That's not what we're talking about at all when we're talking about the cult of Trump. And so let's go ahead and get into what we are talking about. Um, more than any other president that I can recall, Trump is, holds these periodic political rallies. Um, you know, we know about them. We talk about the fact that he does this because maybe he's feeding his ego or something like this. But actually, can you explain from a, from a cult expert point of view, what's the purpose of these rallies in terms of what they do for the followers? So the ra there, there are hundreds. I think there's at least five to 700 rallies. I do think a major reason he does them is because it feeds him. Yep. I do believe he's a malignant narcissist, which is the stereotypical profile of all cult leaders. Um, uh, not everybody is a malignant narcissist in the sense of being a sociopath, but I think he's actually got the sociopathic elements uh, as well. But uh, essentially, um, and, I, and I should say, I almost went to a Trump rally just for research, and I honestly didn't feel safe to go. And I didn't want to go by myself. And I didn't want to lie about my real name. And I was too nervous to, to attend. But having watched them on YouTube and such, what, what, what it is, is a bonding uh, uh, indoctrination experience. Um, and I, I guess I want to state that when I'm doing work with my clients, I'm always educating them about social psychology and how as human beings, we're hardwired to fit in with our whoever we're with, particularly if we identify with them, as, as demonstrated by the Solomon Ash conformity study. We're hardwired to be uh, obey and believe authority figures we consider to be legitimate, as was demonstrated by the Milgram experiment. And, and then in terms of the Zimbardo prison study, we get into roles and are very quick to get into all or nothing binary types of things of I'm special and I'm chosen and you're not, you know, I'm with, I'm with uh, the, the divine one and you're, you're a libtard or whatever. Um, so to answer your question directly, what, goes on with all the rallies, it really is a way of, of reinvigorating and reindoctrinating people to uh, accept him as an authority figure who knows what he's doing. And he thinks nothing about doing pathological lying to the audience. And it's, and it's astounding to me just how many lies he has been caught uh, a saying, I think it's 13,000 now from, a, from a, the Washington Post fact checker, but people have gotten so numb, they don't care if he lies. He's, they say everybody lies, or he's just saying that to have an effect. But the problem is, is that lies matter. In fact, the thing that woke me up from being a Mooney was, the, was really thinking that Oh, Moon's a liar. If he's a liar, I can't trust him. If he's a liar, how could he be a representative of God if God is a, a, a God of truth, which is what I would teach as a Mooney lecturer. If God is a God of truth, how could he have an, a, a representative who's a liar? But once I started thinking that way, the whole belief system started collapsing upon itself because it was based on the belief that he, he was the greatest man in human history who was going to save the world, literally. Yeah, it's quite interesting watching people rationalize or justify, you know, the lies, especially because there are, I mean, over 10,000 of them documented. It's, it's kind of crazy, but I couldn't help but but of course, harken back to my own cult experience and how, you know, you can really rationalize anything. And once you get to the point where you realize that that's actually a, just a psychological truth, that, that a person can rationalize anything, right. that, that once you realize that, like you really grasp it then, it, then it really kind of reduces the shock and awe of the hypocrisy that you see coming out of 
people, um, especially in politics, where it's just, you know, it's just so bad. Um, you know, but I also, like, I'm sorry, mm -hmm, go ahead. I was no, just no, going ahead. to say in listening to you and reflecting, because I know, you know, you were in the Sea Org and I was like a true believer held up by Moon as when we're talking about extremes of, of cult involvement and the destructive end, you and I, in my professional opinion, had like a dissociative disorder where we had, I had the real Steve and then the Mooney Steve. And I, the Mooney Steve was taught that I have to die to myself, my old self and my fallen nature and I had to throw out my poetry. And, and, and there was a whole notion of being born again in the group, etc. A lot of people who are followers of a political ideology or political leader don't have that extreme dissociative thing where they're so different than who they were before. But when we get to the outer edges of, of thought reform and mind control, I really think that's a useful model to use. I agree, and I think that it applies even in the realm of of politics or sports or certain areas where you have a, a you know a, a calm, chill, rational person, but then you get on this topic, and they start talking crazy, and you're like, "Wow!" It's, it can, it's funny how it can be isolated even to very specific things and still show signs of you know, thought reform or cultic influence. So that's also a very interesting point that you're raising. And all I can say is that beliefs can be granular and installed over the internet, through your smartphone, through a YouTube, uh, through a meme even, where you're not even conscious that your belief is being shifted. So for example, they have subliminal visual imagery that they can show you on a YouTube where you're not even aware of what the subliminal image is, but it changes your emotional reaction to whatever you're watching. That's right. And so, um, it, it, and, and I just did an interview on Sunday in New York um, at the Ethical Culture Society and the, uh, the professor, the Columbia professor, you know, said, you know, it cults, you always have to be isolated at some compound, right? And I'm like, not anymore. <laughs> not in <No>. the <laughs> age. And, That's right. Um, and really, it can be some, you know, some hot button topic that you've been um, manipulated around with the vaccination or whatever, where rationality goes out the window and it's all about fear or or um, uh, anger. That's right. Yeah, it's wild. It's really wild. Well, let's talk about some thought stopping techniques. Um, they're basically at the heart of cultic thought reform and something you definitely talked about. It's in some detail in your book. Mm -hmm. You actually quoted, and I wanted to read this quote, you quoted New York Times columnist Charles Blow, and he said, um, Trump's magical mixture is to make being afraid feel like fun. I, I, I just have to say, I thought that was one of the most insightful statements I've read about cult mm. phenomena that I've, I've seen in quite some time. Mm. He goes on to say, his rallies are a hybrid of concert revelry and combat prep. Trump tells his followers about all the things of which they should be afraid or shouldn't trust or should hate and then positions himself as the greatest defense against those things. His supporters roar their approval at their white knight, end quote. So I wanted to ask, what are some of the thought-stopping cliches or other techniques that are used by Trump and his crew? And do you think that they are doing this purposefully with malice of forethought? Or do you think that these things just rise organically in the process of Trump being Trump and, and doing things that feed his ego? I wish I could answer that definitively, um, yeah. probably all of the above, but we do know he was raised in uh, the church of Norman Vincent Peale, where he was being trained to have wishful magical thinking that if you just believe it 100%, God's going to manifest it, and that doubting is a sin. So he learned thought stopping early on in his life. 
Um, so that, you know, so, so, so we, we know that particular piece. Um, I don't think Trump is an educated person. I, everything I've learned about him is he will learn from interacting with people. Maybe he'll listen to a TV show or a, a watch a, a DVD of some uh, Tony Robbins uh, neuro-linguistic programming thing. Uh, he actually was on stage with Tony Robbins at one of Robbins' events. So I was only able to find one uh, direct intersection between the two of them. But so for example, um, Scientologists have N theta. Oh, that's just N theta. And for all you who are not, uh, not knowing about Scientology, it means it's bad news, fake news, not high tone scale, <laughs> like all these <laughs> other, right. you know, buzzwords that shut down critical thinking and, and evaluation. Um, uh, enemy of the people, build a wall, lock her up. Um, Lifton was the first person to write about loaded language in his 1961 book, of course, Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism. And in the Moonies, things were a Cain Abel problem a or a chapter two problem. Like all of life was either those two things. Uh, or if you had something really bad happen to you, that's just paying indemnity. That was another one of those thought stopping words. Um, you know, we want to use words that help expand our sense of mastery and understanding of the world. And when you are looking at totalist destructive cults, there tends to be this black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil, that uses a language system that's very simplistic, you know, almost age regressive to childlike level, where where you don't like big words that are polysyllabic, you know. <laughs> hey, that's a big word. Yeah, hey. <laughs> polysyllabic, right? Many syllables, right? Um, so the 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 key, though, I think, is perspective building is what's needed when you have blind faith. You need to step out of your shoes and start looking from another perspective on what happened to you to get you to this place. And so what I've learned over the decades of working with folks is how vital it is to find some other group or some other case example that the person would relate to as a destructive mind control group. For me in the, my intervention with the Moonies, it was Chinese communist brainwashing. Because in the cult, I was taught that that's Satan, you know, atheist, satanic, political cult. So when, when my deprogrammer said, we'd like to share with you Chinese communist brainwashing uh, material, I was like, bring it on. I'm really interested in that. And it was only in going through the eight criteria and then kind of breaking it down and them offering examples of what they thought the Moon Organization was doing with those eight things that it was really clear that, yeah, we were doing the same thing as the Chinese communists. And, and it was only one more step to start questioning, you know, is Moon, moon legitimate? Um, with, with QAnon, I'm working with someone who believes in that conspiracy theory. Um, I can tell you that uh, the indoctrination is so deep and so intense, and yet I do believe deep down inside people want to know the truth. They don't like to be lied to or exploited, um, and that ultimately, if you're free, it, it's just so much a better ex experience of being alive than where you're living out of hate, as some of my friends who are former neo-Nazis have told me. It's like hard to be living hating and distrusting and paranoid all the time. It's a much better life to have friends and family and have fun and do meaningful work.
Exactly. I, in fact, I'll just, I'll just speak to the fact that I think that's one of the reasons why that, that, that you just said it's hard to maintain that ferocity or that, that level of, of deep commitment to, uh, to a cause that's really based on lies. I mean, it's not, it's not based on things that are true. And so when, when it's, so I think that's one of the reasons personally, why there are these, you know, plethora of rallies that go on and the constant tweeting and the kind of, which I'll ask you about in a second, you know, uh, that, that just reminds it, keeps it, keeps it fresh, keeps the indoctrination constant. Yep. And I think the that's Facebook a necessary. And the Reddits, but yep. definitely the tweets directly from him and his, and his family, uh, definitely figure, uh, yeah, that, big time. that reinforcement. Well, let me ask you, you know, people who follow political leaders of any stripe often think of loyalty as a feature, not a bug. And Trump, of course, really, you know, has a big thing about the word loyalty. Um, you know, it is a good thing that they're loyal and they follow the directions and advice of their leader. I mean, that's what leaders and followers are supposed to do. But what is it about a cult leader that engenders loyalty? And at what point does the loyalty become a bug, not a feature? You know, and, and, and what kind of questions can a person ask themselves to determine if they've crossed that line? It's a great question. So I guess I want to plug Ira Chaliff's two books, uh, The Intelligent Disobedience and the Courageous Follower, or Courageous mm -hmm. Followership. followership. Yep. Um, and, and he does a lot of business consulting, and, and he's very, very interested and concerned about uh, having your own integrity, your own conscience, your own ability to question what the leader is telling you to do, and that if it's not something you feel comfortable doing, you don't just follow blindly for fear of being chastised or kicked out, but you, you humbly say, sir, I'm not okay with doing that. And there is an example with Don McGahn, one of Trump's attorneys, who was ordered to fire uh, Comey, I believe. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, it's not proper. It's not going to be good for you. And I'm not going to do it. And he got away with that. He wasn't immediately fired um, by Trump. But usually cult leaders will fire anybody that doesn't follow exactly what they are told precisely or who questions some uh, a leader's decisions um yeah big time we've seen in fact the the back and forth play of that and the struggle that people have experienced as career politicians or bureaucrats or or uh, who somehow ended up in Trump's orbit or in Trump's white house and then had to deal with crises of you know, conscience because they were being ordered to do things that were just straight up illegal or had to somehow, you know, turn the table on, you know, on Trump or whoever was issuing these illegal orders to deal with, okay, well, what problem are you trying to solve? Good. Well, let's figure out how we can solve it without breaking the law. And, you know, and they have to like kind of do these twisty turny things that, that really they should never have been put in the position to have to do in the first place. Right. And what we're seeing with Republican politicians, unfortunately, is a, such a level of fear and threat that if they don't lockstep support whatever the White House says, that they're going to lose their, their backing for the next election, etc. Um, and so a lot of them are being basically pressured or coerced to toe the, the, the party line uh, even though they may personally be, this is really a bad thing and I don't want to do it. And I, I just really want to appeal to everybody having been in a mind control cult myself. I, I go to sleep each night with a clear conscience, you know, not, not regretting anything that I do that day. And if I make a mistake, I apologize. I correct it. But, um, um, the, everybody who's now mindlessly backing up uh, Trump's version of propaganda and reality as, as dispensed on Fox News 
in my opinion, is going to come to regret it when they wake up. They're going to look at the facts and go, what was I thinking? How come I couldn't see it? You know, but I also want to state categorically that if you don't understand mind control exists, in other words, the, the status quo for the average person is I'm too smart to be in a cult. I'm too, I'm, I'm too educated. It could never happen to me. That only happens to weak people or dumb people are in it. Once you get past that arrogance and you go, no, 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 here's how it works. It's incremental. You know, it's, it's cognitive dissonance, you know, being used over and over in, in different ways to change your behavior, change your thoughts, change your emotions, drip, 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 drip. Um, and unless you understand that part of it, it's never too late to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I believed in Trump, you know, based on what I, what information I had at the time, but now I know more and it's okay to change my mind. I don't have to keep having allegiance to someone or some cause that I no longer believe in. And that's what I say to all my clients, Chris, it's like, you know, because people get down on themselves. How could I have, uh, you know, paddled my child to death thinking he was possessed by demons because he wanted to leave the church that I was in? It's like, look, you were indoctrinated to believe that leaving the church was, he's going to go to hell and all these evil demons are gonna be in. You were doing the best you could with the indoctrination you had, but you know now, you never would have done that if you understood mind control and cults. Exactly. Love your we, son, you were trying to help him. Exactly, and, and, that's, and that's how it gets really crazy is, it, is black does become white, upside does become right side up. I mean, it's, it's, it's really quite wild what can be done and, and how easy it can be to make it happen if people only knew. Let's actually talk about this for a second because you, you're opening up a, a can here that I'd like to, before we put the top back on it, I'd like to talk about this a little bit. Okay. You, and you go into this in your book, you know, that, that America itself, that our society is laid out in certain ways that make, that predispose people to being, to thought reform. Let's put it that way. Yep. What are some of the things that, that we all take for granted that we have in all of our lives that, that contribute to this, that make this happen? Oh, thanks for the question. It's a good one. So we know from science and, and public health studies, we need seven to nine hours of sleep to think clearly. And most Americans are sleep deprived. And sleep deprivation is one of the universal mind control techniques. We also know that the mind has a conscious part of it and an unconscious part of it. And that our conscious mind might like to believe that it's making all decisions, but in fact, we're making unconscious decisions 95% of the time uh, this was uh, proven scientifically uh, in a book called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman that actually won a Nobel Prize in behavioral economics. Um, so we, if we're on information overload, we, information's coming in, but we're not analyzing it consciously, and it, but it's affecting us nevertheless. And, and people are just so addicted to their smartphones, uh, iPhone Pro Max, uh, 11 Pro Max. Um, we're, so, we're so programmed to respond to likes and dings and, and et cetera, that um, a lot of people lose that center of gravity for what do I wanna do today? What, is, what do I need to accomplish? and cutting down on all of the other inputs. Going further, I talk about uh, Edward Bernays, who wrote a 1928 book, Propaganda, who was the first person to come connect psychology to political electioneering, the first presidential election he did, as well as uh, was hired by the tobacco industry to get women to smoke cigarettes. Uh, and I might add, uh, Joseph Goebbels tried to hire him for the Nazis. 
but he, he pioneered a whole new age of getting people to believe they need things that they never need, but make them make it really important that they have it, whether it's a certain car or a certain toothpaste or whatever. And all of Madison Avenue has been incorporating knowledge about how to manipulate people, how to, how to get people to vote in certain ways. The last two weeks before an election is the critical window. It almost doesn't matter what happens before the last two weeks. And, and, and the, the, the one that has the most money who can do the most Facebook ads or the most TV ads wins. Why is that? It's because we are, if we're not critically analyzing what's coming at us, we get emotionally swayed. Exactly. And therefore, I mean, I can tell you <laughs> there, 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 there was a law that, that prevented um, news, news companies from doing anything that wasn't for the public good. And when that law got, got cut away and, and, and people could just do entertainment, however they define it, as is what's happening with Fox News, there's no responsibility to credibility and facts. Exactly. News has become infotainment. Yes. Right? Rather than actual journalism. Yeah, beautiful news. women and handsome guys and great colors and graphics. Uh, but where's the meat? Where's the substance is the issue. Exactly. And one other thing that I learned in, in researching this book was um, a, a more brilliant book called Network Propaganda, where they talked about media ecosystems and they said a healthy media ecosystem uh, respects uh, journalistic uh, uh, norms of getting to sources of of not saying anything that isn't true uh, but i love their description of an error detection and correction ecosystem where if someone publishes something and it's not exactly right other people feel like it's their civic duty to call that person to account or the publication and for a retraction or a, a, a rewrite to be issued. Whereas on the right, that doesn't exist. There's no accountability. And, and at most, Fox will take something off their website, but they won't say, oops, we got it completely wrong. Exactly. And it's, if you think about it, that actually compares that ecosystem analogy is sort of similar to a scientific method analogy, because yes. you have peer, you have the concept of peer review happening. Exactly. Exactly. You no. Know? Yep. And, and we know from centuries of, of, you know, exploration and discovery that that's what works. Yep. If you want to get to the truth of a thing, or you want to get to more truth about a thing or more of a, of a, of a, a statement of objective reality, even if we're not going to call it truth, you know, that's how you get there is you, is you, is you put stuff out there and you're held accountable and other people have to, you know, can cross check and, and contribute. And, 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 and we've lost sight of that most basic fundamental with infotainment. And I, I so thank you for going and on. And ethics and commitment to <laughs> yeah. good instead of a commitment to greed. Exactly. You said uh, you said that cults proliferate when a society is undergoing rapid change, and particularly when there is a breakdown in trust between people and major institutions. Can you elaborate on that? Well, that's the history. I was quoting other scholars who've looked at cultic uprisings, and they always connected to economic insecurity, breaking down of of uh, of institutions, whether it's the church. Or, or, or other uh, wars, etc. Um, people like to feel safe. They like to feel in control. And right now, people don't feel that way. <laughs> There's so much uncertainty of, of even what is true and what's real and how are we going to have a future um, I talk about in the book, I'm changing the, your the answer slightly, I hope you don't mind, to something that I learned in researching this book called Fourth Generation Warfare, which is PSYOPs. It's a psychological warfare program, uh, and that concept was developed in the 80s by a guy named William Lind, who then connected with Paul Weyrich of the Christian Right. 
But this is a, a PSYOPs program aimed at disorienting people, confusing them, overwhelming them, delegitimizing leaders, delegitimizing institutions, and I would argue delegitimizing facts. So it's like you create your own reality. It's it's not real, you know. It's if you want to if you want to choose to be a victim and think of yourself as a victim, that's up to you. But I'm not a victim. But that was invented by cult leaders, who who wanted to, to take away a, a reason for why people should come back and sue them and and, and press charges against them. Um, but once you understand you know what, there are predators, there are prey, and that a lot of people don't want to be prey. <laughs> they don't want to be <laughs> taken advantage of. That's right, exactly. And and, and that's, you know, that, that whole thing about the victim thing, I mean, that was almost an applied science in Scientology. No, I know. You know Hubbard, yeah. Hubbard and Warren was... Earhart copied it and did it in, in Eston Landmark Forum, and Tony Robbins yep. took that, and et cetera. But there, you you know, if you're walking down the street and someone mugs you, it could be you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You didn't create that experience for yourself, that you drew that energy to you magically from the universe. Nah, I don't buy that. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. A little bit too much kismet there. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the phenomenon of coercive persuasion? You know, in your book, you go into some detail about this, and I thought this would be useful to people to understand the unfreezing, changing, and the refreezing, and how and how specifically this applies to Americans under Trump. Yeah, so um, Kurt Levin, but I heard the name is Lewin for, for decades. Kurt Levin came up with that model. I first learned about that model in a book called Course of Persuasion by Edgar Schein. It's a model that's used in group dynamics and group change, but the first thing is unfreezing, changing, and then refreezing. And so in terms of, of a recruitment and indoctrination into a destructive cult, unfreezing can be everything from what I was saying earlier about sleep deprivation or overload or sensory deprivation. It could be use of hypnotic techniques, which by the way, Hubbard was a hypnotist and the whole TRs are hypnosis in my professional opinion. And People are now being studied, their behavior online, where the same places, the ACC, the anterior cingular cortex, lights up in certain web behaviors. And that's what lights up when you're being hypnotized, right? And when you're being hypnotized, it's not a bad thing to be in a trance, but you're more suggestible to whatever influences are coming your way. So if you're, you know, a basketball player and you want to get better and you're watching LeBron James tapes over and over and over, that's fine. That will maybe help improve your game. It's not going to make you grow taller uh, or make you dunk. But, um, but if you're getting messaging about, you know, all of our enemies and how you can't trust the press and you, you, you need to cut off from all of the, the cult of the Democrats, etc. It's very, very deleterious. The indoctrination is, again, I mentioned earlier, it's always black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil, follow the leader, if whatever, whatever, whatever uh, is coming down from on high is what you believe. Um, and, but there's no interior recognition of, hey, I'm a smart person. What do I think? What do I want uh, to do here? What about my conscience? Um, and and uh, the phobia programming, the loaded language, the, the, uh, the thought-stopping techniques uh, that I was taught in the Moonies, and I've experienced with people who are believers in Trump, Trumpism. Um, and, and for those people who say I'm brainwashed, I'm like, let's talk about what is brainwashing. Like, let's go back to who coined the term, Edward Hunter, who studied it, you know, in Western society, it was West, Lifton, Singer, and Shine. Those were the four 
main mental health professionals who are military intelligence. And then let's, let's look at the behaviors. And what I see going on right now in this country, unfortunately, is a manifestation of the dark arts of a cult leader's playbook. Yep, we, I, think, I agree with you completely on that. You see it, once you see it and you start seeing the mechanisms and everything, then it just becomes very obvious. And that, like I said at the beginning, this is unfortunately what draws us into talking about politics. It ain't, it ain't you know, like we've said this entire episode, we have not talked about Trump's policies. We haven't talked about tariffs. We haven't talked about foreign relations. This, this is not the basis of the argument. So you know, I is what talk the guys... about Putin being a KGB colonel who recruited yeah. assets. <laughs> right. We're not. Is this isn't some vast? Out. Yeah. This isn't some like vast political ideological argument here. We're talking about behavior, and we're talking about controlling and manipulating behavior. Right. And, and in this case, we're talking about controlling behavior in such a way that it's that it is deleterious to Americans. You know, to American citizens. And, and if Hillary was doing this. I'd be saying the same things about Hillary, and I'm sure you would be too. It's 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 not a it's not about personalities. It's about what they're doing. But I think in talking about this, I'd like to move toward wrapping up. But I'd like to also encompass here the enablers, right? There are a lot of groups, and you go into this in your book in some detail about you know the other groups that are kind of glomming onto and using this whole freight train of of you know energy for their own advantage. And in their own way, contributing to this whole thing with these kind of mechanisms. So what, who, are, who am I talking about here? Who am I referring to? So what comes to mind is my former cult, uh, the Moonies, have a, a, a weapons factory. And they want to see more people buying assault rifles and handguns and machine guns because they'll make a lot of money. And the NRA is a group that I write about as well. I write about the, the Cokes and people who have fossil fuel uh, resources that want to perpetuate climate change hoaxism versus looking at the science and looking at the weather outside their window. Um, uh, there, 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 there are uh, groups like The Family, which is a cult group that's been operating in the U.S. for 80 years that have started the National Prayer Breakfast. And I recommend people either read the two books by Jeffrey Charlotte or there's a docu-series on uh, Netflix called, called The Family if you want to have a window into that. Michael Pence was recruited by Chuck Colson of Watergate Infamy into The Family. Uh, then I talk about Opus Dei, which is a Catholic right-wing organization. I talk about New Apostolic Reformation churches and organizations. These are uh, pseudo-Christian. I'm using pseudo on intentionally because I don't believe Jesus was a mind-control cult leader. Um, I, I, th these are people who claim to be apostles or prophets and they speak in tongues and they cast out demons presumably and do faith healings and they have spiritual warriors who stay up all night and do long fasts and are very high tech. Th these are folks that are all combining to want to usurp the separation of church and state to impose their version of religious freedom on the rest of us which means taking away freedom of women to choose what to do with their bodies or the freedom of gay rights. Um, so it's, it, it, it really is a great concern that there are all of these subgroups that are looking to Trump to implement policies that, that will help them in their goals, uh, monetary as well as power goals, but are not in support of what the founders of, the, of America had in mind when they created the Constitution. Excellent. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, we, and, and, and guys, you've heard me talk about the family at some length uh, in other podcasts I've done on this channel. You will hear more about this because this is all tied. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. The cult of Trump is not about one guy. It's not just about Donald Trump. It's about a whole movement, and there. And it's never one guy who pulls all this kind of stuff off. It's you know, L. Ron Hubbard has his had his Sea Org. 
Um, right. You know, Moon had his whole organizational structure, and what are you, and you're showing something there, right? On so, if you think about destructive, it's the people who think that they're elites, that they have a right to control everyone else and and dispose of them if they're no longer useful, that do pathological lying or narcissists who don't believe in checks and balances, who believe they're above the law and the ends justify the means. And on the healthy side, it's human rights and respect for the individual and democracy and checks and balances. And I really think it's healthy, it's, it's a helpful guide as we go through our lives to be thinking, who's telling me this? What's their motivation? You know, is this something that I actually know something about, or is this something that I'm getting groomed to accept some deeper truth when I'm ready? No, no, no. Tell me up front. If I join your group, what am I going to believe? What am I going to be asked to do, etc.? I can assure you, if if people when they're approached by the Jehovah's Witnesses are told, by the way, if you need a blood transfusion, you will die because we don't believe you can, or you need, we need two people to watch someone having uh, uh, raping a child, um, otherwise we won't report you to the authorities. If you tell, or that our, our Bible translation that we're studying with you isn't respected by any Jewish or Christian theologian, no one's gonna join, right? So you need exactly. the exception in order for destructive mind control to take place. It's a vital component and it's and it's something that we're you know we're really trying to help folks. You know, this isn't about partisan politics. This isn't about, you know, and I, and I always say this stuff at the end. I try to say it at the beginning too, you know, I try to get people to, to understand this isn't about, you know, partisan positions and policies and things. This is about behavior. So, Steve, thank you very much for taking the time and Thank you for having me. Thanks for reading the book. And um, a lot of people are so busy that they have trouble reading a book. And I recorded <laughs> it for audio. I don't know about you, but when I go pick up my son from gymnastics, I'm able to listen for 45 minutes <laughs> and get some reading in. But I think you're going to find the book is really an essential guide for what we're going to do to get out of this mess. And, to, and we're going to need to make structural changes, including getting rid of dark money for electioneering and creating checks and balances to keep foreign governments from interfering um, in our elections and protection of our data. That's another huge part of how we can be manipulated. Uh, as you know, Cambridge Analytica uh, strip mined 87 million Americans. And when you have 5,000 likes, they have very sophisticated AI programs where they can design an ad that's more likely than not to push your buttons. And we, we really just need to be better educated consumers. I'm afraid that that is the only solution at this point, critical thinking and better education for us, because these guys aren't going to tone down what they're doing. Right. You know, unless unless laws or something go into place to 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 keep this stuff under control. And you know, it, it's difficult because you can't constrain communication, mass communication. You want this to happen. You want news to be propagated. You want good news to be propagated. And you need, you know, uh, talk about the issues and politics and stuff. You need this to get out there. So there's, we, we can't curb that side of it. So instead, what we have to do is become better ourselves. So, right. and, and, and in particular, I want to state that I think that uh, Twitter did the right thing to ban political ads that were false. Facebook has to do it. I'm honestly deliberating if I want to get off of Facebook altogether, because uh, we need to have morality enforced. We need to have a commitment to truth. And if something's true, it will stand up to scrutiny. And if it isn't, we shouldn't be promoting it. Even if we make a lot of money, as Facebook makes on political ads, they shouldn't sacrifice human beings and their ability to think clearly. Agreed. Thanks, man. I, I could not agree more. Thanks so much. Absolutely. And folks, where can actually, Steve, where can they get this book? 
So I notice you have the bound galley. Uh, I do. Yes, I got the uh, I got the advanced edition. One. This is the hardcover one. Yeah, it's everywhere that I know of. It's in bookstores. It's on Amazon. It's in Google. Uh, the audiobook is on multiple platforms as well. What this has that yours doesn't is an index. Uh, I okay. Yeah, index. you mentioned that index. I was like. Mm. That's really <laughs> okay. um, so um, thank you so much for all your good work and we'll we'll talk again awesome thank you and folks definitely check out this book it is well worth your time especially if you can get it in an audiobook i mean you can just listen to it you know as you're as you're driving around and stuff but this is stuff that you're going to want to pay attention to because there's there's some technical stuff in here there's stuff that you really you, you need to grok you need to get your wits around it and and by and I and I keep using this word need because I'm I, you know I'm not trying to order you around but it's just that education is the only real solution here and and if you don't know something you just don't know it it's not it's not there's no value judgment on that it's just learn it <laughs> and then and as a result of doing that apply it look around see how these things are happening around you and when you know about this stuff. When you learn about cognitive dissonance and undue influence and coercive persuasion and motivated reasoning and all these things that, these, that we talk about, you will start seeing it around you and you will be able, you will be more able to think your way through things rather than just being manipulated and feeling weird or feeling odd about things or feeling like something's not right, but you don't know what it is. That's that's what this education gives you, and and so I, you know, I'm, again, I'm, Steve's not paying yeah, me I'm to gonna, plug his book here. I'm going to add one last <laughs> yeah, thing, to Chris, bring it. if you don't mind, and and a major thing that we didn't yet talk about, and I'm just going to give a couple of lines is people who are Trump believers are good people, and if you have friends, family members who are Trumpers, and you haven't been in touch and you haven't had dinner together and gone bowling together in a long time, go and reconnect with them. The more contact, the better. And if, if it's too upsetting to talk about politics, just say, let's agree not to talk about politics, but you're my friend or you're my sibling or you're my uncle. And I you know, have a whole chapter in the book and I've done the whole Freedom of Mind book itself on how to talk to people to encourage them to reevaluate what whatever position they're they're involved with, if it's a totalist group, so stop calling names, stop isolating, because what I say to my families, right? I have families that hire me to help a loved one in a cult. I, I say, you know, they're in a cult. You're the one who can be flexible. <laughs> stop waiting for them, you know, to be flexible. Be creative. Be flexible. You can afford to apologize if, if you offended them. I'm sorry. I care about you. Help me understand how you believe what you believe. And I promise you I will listen because I'm really curious because I respect you. You're intelligent. Tell me more. This is the kind of communication that's actually going to be productive and that's going to be useful to end the polarization in our country and to bring people together again is respectful dialogue and, and, and kindness and compassion. So I just Excellent. wanted to add that at the end. Thank you. I really appreciate you doing that because that's exactly where I'm trying to go with all this all the time. And uh, yeah, and, get, and, and, and getting some agreement from you know fellows in the community here is helpful because that is what we need folks is we need compassion, tolerance and understanding and that only happens through communication. All right. Uh, okay, folks, I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.